Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5, we've been on an incredible series on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're um, only in our fourth beatitude. Uh, today we're actually going to combine two beatitudes. How many have, been, have felt that these beatitudes have been really striking your heart in a new way? Come on. Is the the longest standing sermon of Jesus, and so I'm doing a long series on this because inner healing, character development, and an awakened heart can come and will come probably one of the fastest ways in the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' sermon. Can I hear an amen? So let's lift up our hands and let's ask God to speak to us this morning. Come on. You don't come to church just to talk to your neighbor or talk to your friend or see a, a, a good event outside. You come to church to experience the presence of God and to hear the word of the Lord. Can I hear an amen? That's why you get up in the morning. So, Father, we thank you, Lord God, that we get to meet with you. Thank you for hearts that are engaged, minds that are engaged. Thank you for your word coming out like fire today. I ask that you would shift things, adjust things, bring healing, bring awakening, bring a greater maturity in your bride. We thank you for your word transforming us and, ask, and asking us to yield to your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... And so remember, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, for those of you who are new, Jesus gets up on a mountain and begins to speak. Now, the last three weeks, we broke down what the, uh, what the spirit means. Am I okay there, guys, or do I need another mic? Am I good? Okay. Um, and so let's, let's have a review. Those of you who know uh, this, then just as, as a review, the, the Beatitudes are progressive in nature, say progressive, which means they build on each other. You can't have one in the fullness without making sure you start in the foundation of one and allowing it to come into your heart and mind as a reality. There are certain things that you and I cannot reap unless we do those things or yield to those principles. Can I hear an amen? The Beatitudes are not automatic because he said, blessed are those. If it was automatic to everyone, then he would, Jesus would not need to say, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Or blessed are those who mourn. Because if it was for everybody, then we would not have to yield to that. So, number one, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. He starts by saying that. We re realize poor spirit is what? Come on, if you guys were listening a couple of weeks ago. What is that? Poor spirit is? Ugh. Amen. Thank you for that answer. Poor spirit means that you have a revelation of your spiritual condition, which means you, become, you realize that you and I are bankrupt from anything that is good within us or godliness other than the goodness of God. What does that produce? That produces dependence. Amen. So if you understand your spiritual condition, you'll have a revelation of it, and then you'll be poor in spirit. Now, the next one is blessed are they that mourn. As you guys know, mourning then is the response of the revelation of your spiritual condition. No one has a true revelation of their condition and does not come out repenting and asking God to, that they're mourning or grieving over the distance that they have with God or even their sin. So mourning is not just mourning someone that died. Yes, that you'll be comforted. But Jesus didn't say you're just going to be comforted. He said, blessed are those who mourn. And we know that if you're going to be blessed, atheists die and have family people that die. And, and, uh, and people that don't know the Lord uh, or are cursing the Lord, they have people that die. They grieve and they get comforted. But that doesn't mean they're blessed. Don't make me preach this early in the, in the sermon. 
He was talking about a spiritual blessing to a spiritual mourning that comes from the revelation we're poor in spirit. Then last week we talked about meekness. Right after repentance comes meekness. Now this is so good. I had a lot of texts and, and, and praise reports because what meekness is is controlled strength. It is actually the one who has the power but chooses not to make a fool out of themselves with emotional outbursts. So meekness is the spiritual discipline and muscle that guards the tongue and it's controlled strength when everything in you wants to blow up. So meekness is the ability to hold your emotions in check when all hell is breaking loose, when, th- when you want to say something to that guy who cut you off on I-4. Meekness is powerful, and it, and it gives you dominion because the Bible says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, the fourth one comes right after we've been emptied out for this. We begin to now hunger and thirst for the right things. God has to come through a process or take us through a process of spiritual maturity because a lot of us want a quick fix, but God wants the process. Because in the process, we get the character, and in the process, we start looking like Jesus. Come on, amen. And so the process looks like we get emptied out of these things. We get emptied out of our prideful spirit. We get emptied out. We, we mourn properly and we repent. Again, that's become a curse word in the churches today, but thank God it's not a curse word here. Repentance is beautiful. It's not meant to beat you down. That's not what it's meant. But it's meant to, to empty us out, come on, of the, of the distance that we have with God and to identify our personal sins. Let me pause and say, this is not in my notes. When is the last time we paused and say, Lord, I want to acknowledge the private sins of my life that I know that you know about, and I want to repent for them right now? Now, because we're not careful, we're just saying, well, well, I never have to repent for anything. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what he does in you, but you also have to walk it out. The Bible says in Philippians that you, that God puts in you, but you work out your own, watch, salvation. You walk out your own salvation. So behavioral holiness does not happen automatically. You're not robots. That means you have decisions to make every day for the, that behavior to start aligning itself to righteousness. So now, now watch this. So now Jesus comes in the fourth beatitude after meekness, after a hungering, I'm sorry, after poor in spirit and after mourning, he says, blessed are those, watch this, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Get ready for some old school preaching. I think the message of holiness has been very underpreached. And we label holiness and righteousness as legalism in many churches, but that is not what, and unfortunately, it is on some churches because we make it about pants and earrings and makeup, and that's not what holiness is about. You, listen, you could have no makeup and have skirt down to your ankles and have a spirit of lust up to your eyeballs. Your clothes and your mascara and your pants or lack thereof, does not mean you are holy just because you dress a certain way or you have no makeup. True holiness is a condition of the heart. So today, I'm going to combine two beatitudes, and they're, they're, they're the fourth one and the, and, the, and, the, and the sixth one. It's blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. Say filled. That word filled means overflowing above satisfaction. Being filled until you want no more. That song. Fill my cup, Lord. Here it is. Fill it up, Lord. Uh, come and quench this thirsty of my soul. Bread of heaven, fill me till I want no more. Here's my cup. Lift it up. 
I think I got it right. <laughs> what is it? Here's my cup, lift it up, and make me whole. Okay, make me whole. So make you whole means being filled with righteousness. And then the other one is this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I'm going to combine these two because it has to do with a very similar subject. So put the first slide up there. Once we have a biblical revelation and response of our spiritual condition, which is poor in spirit, mourning, and meekness. Once we, have a, once we have a revelation and response of our spiritual condition, then we'll be in position, watch this, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Can I say something really bold here? This is not just hungering for good things that God is going to give you. This is actually hungering and thirsting for holiness and purity and righteousness. But how can the body of Christ truly say inside of you that you're craving righteousness when all these things are still in our heart, vying for our spiritual appetite because we have so much spiritual junk food in our minds and our hearts through our life that it's hard to hunger for healthy spiritual things? So what, what, what that means for you and I is that what does it take for you and I to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why, why do I see this? Because Jesus gives a specific blessing. Listen to me. He gives a specific blessings to those who are hungering and thirsting, not for power, not for position, not for anointing, for righteousness. I got two amens in this house. The Bible says you are blessed when you hunger and thirst for righteousness and you shall be filled. And it's important that you have to realize this. Why is this important? Because there's a lot of characteristics of Jesus. How many could agree he's merciful? How many could agree he's powerful? How many could, how many could agree he's humble? He's meek. All of those are true. But when the angels of the Lord that are in front of the Lord forever and ever throughout eternity, when they get a glimpse of the Lord and the majesty of his glory, the common denominator of what they speak about his nature is not power, 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 or mercy, 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 although they could do that or say that because he is all that. The common denominator that they chose to say for all eternity when looking at Jesus, when looking at the Father, when looking at the Lord is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. Could have said anything that they, he want, they wanted to say, but they cry out holy because of his nature. This is when we align ourselves to hungering for righteousness. It's not that we're better than thou. What we're actually saying is we really want to hunger for the nature of God in our lives. We want to hunger for holiness. We want to hunger for righteousness. And it's important that we hunger for the right things because this is something that's important. You got to understand this, especially for me. I know this is true. Hunger, you got to watch out what you're hungering for because hunger will determine action. I said your hunger level will determine your action level. Every time you go to get go to the supermarket or go to your refrigerator to eat something is because hunger pains triggered you to do so. Something that started off normal and then you just started hungry, it actually hunger motivated you to get up from your couch and go to the kitchen and cook something up or go to the restaurant or go to a, or go to a supermarket. Why? Hunger is important to understand action. So 
If you have the, oh, watch this. If you have the wrong hunger, you're going to have the wrong actions. That's why it's so important to understand why Jesus said, blessed are those who watch hunger for righteousness because the actions will be equivalent to what you're hungering for. Your actions will then start having righteous actions because you're starting to hunger for righteousness. You're starting to hunger for righteousness. And as a matter of fact, on the other side of this reality, if you hunger for righteousness, are you, are you ready? And you're actually getting filled with righteousness and you're getting satisfied with holiness because there is a place that you get with the walk with God that holiness and righteousness satisfies you. Here's what happens. When you are overflowing with the desire of righteousness and holiness, and watch this, purity in your life. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. You won't want room for any spiritual dessert because you're so full. Listen to me. Listen to me. Have you ever been so full that even your weakness doesn't bother you anymore? That's, listen, I love cheesecakes, glory to God, and I love sweets. That's my weakness. But let me tell you, when you get to a place where you fill yourself up with whatever food it is, when you go to the restaurant, and you get out of that restaurant, and you are filled to the brim, even if someone gives you your most um, tempting dessert, nine times out of ten, you, it won't even bother you or move you. You know why? Because you're too filled with other things. How much more with righteousness? It would avoid certain temptations. Oh, God. It would avoid certain temptations when you are hungering and thirsting for purity, when you're walking in purity, when you're eating purity in the spirit realm, you will not have any desire for those worldly things. You know why? It's not because they have no power. It's because they have no power in you. The Bible, Jesus said that the tempter of this world is coming, the ruler of this world is coming, and has found nothing in me. That means there's nothing that I have given room to the enemy that he could come and accuse me for later down in life. He said, I've totally been consecrated to the Lord. Let me tell you something. Your appetite level will determine your actions. I'm going to say this very boldly. What you find yourself uh, doing and maybe falling into is because you have a hunger for it. If you start, if, if living righteously, living holy is a bother to you, and it's like, oh, man, this is no fun, that shows you what your appetite really is. Now, now watch this. I love the story in Genesis. I'm going to give an example of different types of appetites. Listen to me. Your appetite, I'm going to say something very bold and very powerful, can attract the presence of God to you or repel the presence of God from you. It got quiet up in RCC. Your spiritual appetite could actually draw things to you from God or repel things away from you. Do you remember the story of Genesis in, in the flood? Right when the flood came, there was two, there was two birds that the Lord, I mean that, that Noah left from the ark. And one of them was a raven. And the other one was a dove. Do you guys remember that? I want to show you this. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 8. Glory to God. Oh, glory. You're going to get, I'm going to get ready for a revelation here. Get ready for a revelation. Genesis chapter 8. Look at verse 6. You know this, girl. Alicia knows what I'm about to say. Watch this. Look at this. This is right after the flood. Everybody say flood. 
Now, why did the flood come? Because of judgment from the Lord, because of there was un- unheld sin, rampant sin, unbridled sin, and, and they did not repent, and they did not turn to God. So God, in those early days, brought the flood, allowed the flood to cleanse the earth. Now, now watch, guys. I want you to see a spiritual symbolism of every one of us in here. Whether you know it or not, put your seatbelts. Every one of us in here is either a spiritual raven or a spiritual dove based on our appetite. Now watch. So when they were in this ark, they were in it for several days, high above the mountains. Now you have to understand something before you realize what I'm about to say. When the whole earth is flooded and the mountaintops are like way down there and the, and the boat was way up in the skies, here's what happens from a visual standpoint. There's carcasses and dead bodies and dead, uh, and dead animals all over the place. Do you hear what I'm saying? All over the waters there's deadness and dead flesh and, and darkness and, and all kinds of putrid things because of the fact that about a hundred, I mean, 40-something days, all these things were wiped out. Now, why do I say that? I want you to see from a a revelation two different types of spiritual appetites in this room. So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Watch. And then he sent out a raven. Everybody say raven. Now, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the ground. In other words, it just kept, kept roaming the waters, and it never came back to the ark. I want you to see something. The ark represents the glory of God. The ark represents the presence of God. We need to get back to the ark. We need raiders of the lost ark again in the church. We need to go searching for the presence of God. We need to dwell in the presence of God. But so many, that's normal for Christians. But so many Christians are actually doing things to repel the presence of God from their life. He sent, watch this. So he sent a dove, uh, sorry, a raven first to check out what was there in hopes that the raven will come back. The raven never came back. So when the raven didn't come back, look what happens. He sent himself. A dove, oh, say dove, to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. He, but, but the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned to the ark. Wait a minute, why? Why did the raven keep going and not return, but yet the dove was released and didn't find anything to land on and return back to the ark? And this happened three times. The, ark, the, 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 the raven never came back, and I'll tell you why. Because you have to examine the food and the appetite and the hunger of the raven and the dove. The raven's appetite is flesh, is darkness, is meat, is fleshly things. So when they escaped the ark of God, and they had a taste of the world, and they noticed that that's where they belong because they're flesh eaters. They they dwell in the dark. They love to eat putrid stuff. All the dead bodies were in there, and the reason why the raven didn't come back is because it's hungering for fleshly things. But the dove 
looked and looked and did not see any place to land because they saw dirty, filthy, rotten flesh. And it says, I will not land on anything unclean, and I will not eat anything unclean. So it came back to the presence of God, to the ark. You know why? Because a dove in the natural eats fruits and seeds and healthy things, and the dove does not land on anything unclean. And today, there's a spiritual dove that is still waiting to land on pure vessels, on consecrated vessels. The dove in the person of the Holy Spirit, when he saw Jesus coming out of the dirty Jordan River, righteousness personified, came up, and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came landing on Jesus. Your spiritual appetite could either draw the presence of God to you or repel the presence of God from you based on what you're hungering. The raven never came back to the ark. We got Christians that leave the house of God and never come back because they're satisfied with eating flesh. But those who eat of the righteousness of God will be like David. I want to dwell in your house forever because I tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. Can I tell you something? There is no competition when you taste from the Lord. The world does not compete. The flesh does not compete. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit, the spiritual dove, he's not a dove, but, the, but for lack of preaching, for, for the sake of preaching, still is looking on places to land in a great way. Yes, he lives in your heart, but he wants to increase his person in you. And you increase the activity of the Holy Spirit by pursuing righteousness, by pursuing holiness, by being intentional about it. And it doesn't only have to mean drugs or sexual things. It could be the way that you talk to your spouse. Come on, somebody. It could, it'd be, it could be the way that we criticize each other. I've seen people die, try to dissect the whole service in their mind. I can't read their mind, but I've known, I've known people that they dis, dissect the whole service, dissect the whole worship to see if it fits their pattern. And God has not called us to tell him how the pattern should be. You have to be a spiritual dove that you are looking for righteousness. And by the way, let me give you a little hint. You know when the dove stopped coming back? Oh, I could preach on this. He came the second time with a branch. And it and was lowering down. He came for a branch. You see the little tips of the trees. He came with a branch. You know what Isaiah says? There's a branch from the root of Jesse that's going to be raised up. In other words, it was a prophetic sign. When all hell is breaking loose and all darkness, there still is hope. And finally, when there was clean surface, the dove did not come. You know why? Because it found something clean to land on. You're not saying amen this morning. Now, how do you become clean? You surrender to the Lord. You ask God forgiveness, and he will clean you, cleanse you. And by his grace and through his word, you walk out that righteousness. No one's going to stop you from doing something other than you. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear a better amen than that? And so this is, why the, this is why it's so important that you get this. Look at that second slide up. This is so powerful. You're getting something this morning. What you hunger for spiritually will either attract the presence of God or repel the presence of God in your life. Take a snapshot of that. Snap pic, whatever. Selfie. What you hunger for spiritually will either attract the presence of God or repel the presence of God. Oh, glory to God. 
Now watch, because so many Christians are not hungering for righteousness, we have substitutes our hunger. And those substitutes is good Christian music, is good Christian t-shirts, good Christian events, good Christian fellowship, but that doesn't make us holy and that doesn't cause us to hunger for holiness. We, 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 so because we're not hungering for righteousness, Christians are having substitutes. As long as I'm around this Christian crowd, we could get holy. Around, as long as I am, am, am listening to this Christian music, I'm going to be okay. As long as I'm in this Christian event, listen, you could be around fire and never be consumed by fire. You, you could be in the beach and have a pool in your house and never get touched by the water. You know why that's important for you to know? Because just being around Christian activities doesn't make you holy. Being around the fire and not being consumed by the fire does not make you transformed. Because we're no longer hungering for righteousness, we, and this, I'm not beating you up. I'm helping you because I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth at the risk of you saying, well, why don't you just preach good messages that God loves everything I do. He loves you, but he doesn't love everything that we do. If you're a parent, you know you love your kids, but you don't love everything they do. Oh, I just love the way that they just throw that thing on the glass and break the glass. Oh, I just love the rebellion. I just love you. No, I love you, but you're going time out or you're going to get a whipping. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Because Christians are no longer for righteousness because it's not popular. We substitute hungering for righteousness and purity by hanging out with good Christian activities. If That is great, but if that's your only reason for coming to church, if that's your only reason to justify that you are spiritual, my friends, you are missing it. You could be bound in your soul with afflictions and never get healed just because you don't want to go deeper and allow even some, some of the hurt to be raised up again so that God can heal you. Some of you are not willing to do that, so you just say, you know what, as long as I go to church and pop myself up every now and then, God is good. I, I cross my checklist for the Lord. God desires his people. To be holy. Do you know that there's no other place in the Bible other than a few other verses where God says, be holy, watch this, as I am holy. He didn't say be sinless as I am sinless. He said be holy as I am holy. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be completely satisfied or filled. You want spiritual satisfaction this morning? You want to, get t you want to be tired of mediocrity Christianity? Start hungering for righteousness. Start opening the word and start hungering for purity. Start emptying yourself out, repenting of the, of the things and allowing God's grace to come in and heal those things. And you will see, my friends, that there is no other competition out there that will compete with the goodness of God. That's why God says in the Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. First, you have to taste. If you don't taste, you're just going to be around the cookout and never get affected by the actual food. Listen, Good as it, if after today we got, man, that is a great bounce. That, man, I wish I could get in there one day. I'm, I'm going to get in there one day. One of these days I'm going to get in there. Oh, look at that barbecue. Man, you know they have some good steak. We're not having steak. Praise God. I wish we did. But they're like, man, what's up with this church, man? The, the children's ministry is rocks. Hamburger stuff. And you're hungry. Like, man, that is awesome. And, you know, it just feels so good to be in this Christian environment. But I'm still hungry. See, you, oh, man, oh, man. You could be around Christian environment and still be hungry for worldly things. 
because Christian environment does not quench your thirst and it doesn't satisfy you. Yes, we need each other and we need it, but you can't, Christian activities, listen, there's Christians that are in Christian activities and, and dare I say, in the body of Christ, even in Christian leadership and ministry that are not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. If you think being in a position in ministry is going to satisfy you from worldly temptations, you are wrong. You are wrong. Come on, I'm preaching good this morning. You have to pursue righteousness, and you have to make sure that you empty yourself out. It's called humility. It's, It's beautiful. It's beautiful. When you do, oh my goodness, get ready. Nothing that the enemy will do will satisfy you because you've tasted the real thing. Can, can I just say, I, I wasn't even planning on saying this. I remember a story years ago that of a banker that they were interviewing a banker that was handling so mil, you know, millions of, of, of dollars, and they were able to identify the counterfeit money without scanning it through a computer. And they're like, well, how, and they interview, how in the world that all these people are fooled, yet it looks exactly the same, but yet when you touch it, and when you touch that, that counterfeit, you know that it's counterfeit. How do you know? And you know what they said? It's not that because I'm smart, because I have all these degrees. It says, I've spent so much time handling the real that I know what the counterfeit tastes like and feels like and looks like. When you've spent time with the real, all the other counterfeits in Christianity and the world will pale in comparison. Now, 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 I say the word gangster a lot here. But I'm about to give you, now this is serious, right? I'm about to tell you this is serious, guys. I struggled giving you this scripture. I don't think I've ever struggled in my private time over giving you a scripture than the, the scripture I'm about to give you. I, it, I'm, I'm telling you. Because it's so raw, it's so hard. You're like, jeez. But it's the heart of a consuming fire. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire. Now, what I'm about to read is in the Old Testament, and I want to give you a backdrop, and it's about the, the pretense and the outward activity that God's people did to try to appease their sins. And they said, if I just go to church more, God will be happy with me. If I just sing longer, come on, somebody, I, I, God will be happy with me. But it's okay. You know, I have these sins, but you know what? I'm going to be in the jail ministry. I'm going to be in the women's ministry. I'm going to be in the youth ministry. I'm going to get involved in all these things. And God is going to see that in my involvement, he understands that I don't need to deal with these issues. And look how God responds to these people who are actually doing offerings, doing service, like us, if going to church is your check mark for to try to amend what we've done wrong with other people, that's that going to church is good, but you still have to talk to that person. Right? Going to church is not gonna just make it's gonna erase all the stuff that we have to do. Are you ready for this? Buckle your seatbelts. Oh, here it goes. Amos in the NLT. Amos chapter 5, verse 21. Amos 5. 21. I'm just going to speak it like it is because I didn't write that, so don't get mad at me. This is what the Lord said in the Old Testament. All right? Are you ready? I hate all your show and your pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. Wait, solemn assemblies are good. Gathering together is good. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. These are all good. Look, look, look. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. What? 
In other words, I, I, if you, I don't just want you to sing for the sake of singing. There's stuff that you and I have to deal with. Come on, man. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Are you ready for this? Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice and an endless river of righteous living. Instead of the songs, instead of the, the, all the stuff that you replace over living right, Instead of what God understands, he said, I don't want any songs right now. I don't want any festivities right now. If, if that is taking place from you pursuing righteousness, he's, he said, this is what I want. I want a mighty flood of justice and an endless river of righteous living. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, don't get mad at me. This is the Lord trying to shape us. We've been duped in the American church thinking that we by the grace of God, could just not deal with issues in our lives. That is a lie. It's a lie. And so I, I, I want you to see that the Lord is desiring more from us. The proper definition and connotation of the word, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, I'm going to break it down for you. That word hunger in the Greek has the connotation of of starvation and craving. That's the right word. If you look up the word hunger in the Beatitudes, in the Greek, it, the definition connotates a hunger and a starvation for righteousness. So it could, the Beatitudes could easily read like this. Blessed are those who are starving for righteousness. They're craving righteousness. They shall be filled. You say, Pastor George, what is, what is righteousness? Aligning our heart back to everything that God says in his word. That means how you talk to your friends. That means what you do when no one's looking. Come on. That means how you handle money. That means your gossiping. That means your sexual uh, uh, immoralities. That means your, uh-oh, this is going to hurt, some of your friends. Your complaining. Your attitudes. Your addictions. Lining back up. You know what the word sin means? Missing the mark. We just have to get back on the mark. And hunger righteousness. Come on, amen. I know not everyone's looking at me happy today, but this is good. Because God wants to make you happy by having a vibrant heart. And a vibrant heart means you're, you're purified from things that, that is challenging. Amen. That is challenging you from getting the power of the Lord. I want the worship team to come up here. How many are getting something this morning? Come on, come on, come on. How many? If I didn't love you, I would not say this. I used to wonder why Jesus used to say certain things. I'm like, Jesus, calm down. Like, why are you saying snakes and vipers and hypocrites and all that stuff? You know why? Because he, he watch this, he didn't want anything from them. If I want something from you, I will withhold truth from you. That's why, and I, and I say this before and I say it again. I don't know who gives in this church, and I, 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 I don't, I don't want to know, or who doesn't give. You know why? Because I don't want to be manipulated by the biggest giver or the lack of giver by the message that's coming forth. So I, it's just between you and God. I have no clue. Now watch. You are going to realize that the Holy Spirit is transforming us to starve for righteousness. Watch this. 
And, and then the second part of that, it, when it comes to this, is when Jesus said, when we hunger for righteousness, here's what's going to happen. Look at me, look at me. We're going to start developing a pure heart. And, he, and what happens when you develop a pure heart? Everyone says, Lord, he has such a pure heart. She has a pure heart. Puring, purifying of your heart is much more than saying a little prayer. It starts off with the desire. It starts off with prayer, but then we have to walk it out. And here's the thing. The more pure you are, hear me, this is very powerful. The more you will see God clearly in this age, not just in the by and by. In this age, you will see God for who who he really is because we have filters over our hearts, over our spiritual eyes, over our spiritual mind, and over our spirit. Watch this. Because of the things that we've gone through in life, we've tainted how God truly is. We see God as a side token because of some of the things we've gone through. Well, if the Lord loved me, why would he allow me to go through this? Why did he allow my, my, my parents to split up? Or why did he allow my business to break up? Why did he allow my ministry to dry up? Why did he allow whatever? And then we're not careful. We get these things into the place where we are now getting these lies to purify, our, to, to fill our hearts. What does the Bible say right after that? It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Has anybody in this room ever wondered what that really means? I tell you what 90% of the body of Christ thinks that that means. It means to the 90% of the body of Christ, oh, if I'm pure in, in, the, in, the, in heart, when I die, I'm going to see God. Yeah, and that, 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 there's a truth to that. But Jesus is not talking just about people who die and they're going to see him after they die. He's talking about how, he, how they see him fully in this lifetime. When you are purified in your heart, the Holy Spirit strips away the false layers of how you have been viewing God. And you start looking at him with his full majesty and glory. Let me tell you a story. Years ago, I read a book by Rick Joyner, Final Quest. How many of you remember that? Final Quest, Rick Joyner. And I remember in this book, I will never forget this, and there's a story in there, how in the beginning of the book, he's having all these encounters with the Lord, and he's writing them down, his, 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 his like talking to the Lord and all these things. It was like if you were, if you were uh, watching uh, or reading Pilgrim's Progress. It was just an incredible allegory of what the Lord showed him. Well, he was talking to the Lord face to face, no problem at the beginning of the book. And at that time in his life, he, the Lord had, had still things that needed to be done in his heart. Come on, say amen. And so he was talking to him like normal face to face. I'm skipping for time. But through the yielding of the Holy Spirit, through re- repenting, through allowing the Holy Spirit to make some tough changes in his life, he began to go on a journey to purify his heart for God. At the end of the book, the Lord started speaking to him again and appeared to him face to face like he did last time. But this time, oh, I feel like shouting. This time the Lord was brilliant. The Lord was shining. The Lord was glorious. And he was like the, it was like looking at the sun and he couldn't see him. And he was brilliant like the sun. And I remember him saying, Lord, I can't see you. I can't see you fully. You're so brilliant. You're so powerful. You're so glorious. What changed, Lord? What happened? And Jesus said to him, Son, I've always been this magnificent. I've always been this beautiful. I've always been this shining. It's you who have purified your heart and seeing me for who I really am. Do you realize the way that you think about God 
is the way that you treat God. If your heart's pure, just because you think of God some way doesn't mean that's how he is in fullness. Just because you say, well, you know, God is good. You know, he's good, but, you know, I've, I've, I've been through this, and I've been through that, and I've been through that. What's going to happen is you're going to limit your, 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 the power of God. That's why A.W. Tozer said the knowledge of God is one of the most important things that you and, ever, you and I could ever have. If you have a low view of God, you're going to have a low affection towards God. If you have a pure view of God through a pure heart, watch this. Blessed are those who hunger, who are pure in heart. Watch this. They shall see God. Are you ready? In this lifetime, how he really is. You want to know another example? And I'm closing in five minutes here. Listen to me. Do you want to know another example of this? Years ago, I learned the hard way of the importance of filters that we need to wash. Whether you know it or not, we all have spiritual filters in our eyes, in our mind, and in our hearts. Based on what we've gone through. And those filters dictate how you see God. Come on, somebody. So years ago, I remember, you know, that Spanish blood started boiling up in me. And I remember it was hot in my house, and I had it like to 60 degrees. And it was like 95 degrees in there. I'm like, something is wrong. And it was like a year, a year after I got my house. So I knew it was, it was a new house. So I'm thinking to myself, something's wrong with the builder. I'm going to call the builder. I'm, I'm not going to know they did something wrong. And so they're like, I called. They're like, sir, uh, have you checked the filter? I said, there's no filter in this house. Yeah, there, there is. But me, I'm like, I, I can't find it, sir. There's something with these new houses. I don't know where the filter is. You need to come. Well, it's going to be an $85 charge if I come. Fine, you need to come. I guarantee. I was ready to prove this guy wrong. So he comes in, talk about feeling like this low. I was like, look, it's 60, the meter says 16, it's 95 degrees in here. It's hot. Help a brother out. He's like, uh, come over here in the garage. So I had to unscrew something that was hidden in the garage, which that was, that was hard for me. Anyways, so he took that out, and when he took the filter out, it was completely black, filled with, with dust from front to, to back, because... The whole time I was in the house, I never changed the filter. He took the water. He goes, do you have a hose? I'm like, yes, sir. Took the hose. Look how simple it is. He came outside. He washed with the water of the word, hose. And he washed it. And as he washed it, it came completely off. I mean, no, I mean, no struggle. The, the water just completely did it out. He put, it was clean. He put the filter back in. The AC kicked back in. He goes, there you go, AC. And he goes, that'll be $85. <laughs> and he left, and I felt embarrassed. And the Lord showed me, that's the way my people view me. They think I'm a certain way, but they haven't changed their spiritual filters. I'm really not that way. The way that they see me and the way that they perceive me is because they haven't, they haven't dealt with the filters in their life that is cluttering up their vision. I feel the Holy Ghost. The pain and the rejection that they have not dealt with has making them look at me as an unjust God. You need to hear this, and I'm almost closing here. Look at that slide up. The more we purify our hearts, the more we see God clearly as He truly is. The word pure in the Greek means katharos, which means purified by fire. You want to be pure in heart? You want to be, who wants to be pure in heart? The word heart means katharos, and it means purified by fire or pruning, 
Watch this. Now, here's another one. The other definition of that is being unmixed. In other words, you can't mix oil and water. It has to be either all oil or all water. So basically what Jesus is looking for when he says pure in heart is sometimes through fire, through pruning, which hurts, and unmixed with the world. He said, that's what I'm looking for. It doesn't ha- Listen, it doesn't happen overnight, but at least start the process. I said, at least start the process. You may, you may be over here, but at least do this. Come on, at least do that. You may, you may not be over there yet, but, st- but still cut, cut some things off of your life. Start repenting. Start forgiving. Start forgiving yourself. Start loving other people. And then righteousness, the hunger for righteousness. Listen, here's what's going to happen when you hunger for righteousness. No one's got to tell you or correct you when you're doing something iffy. You start correcting yourself. You're like, you know what? I don't need to be a part of this conversation. You know what? I, I don't need to be around this environment because it's toxic to me. In other words, I want to say one last thing. This is powerful. We're going to close. You and I could do an obedient act and our hearts are not dealt with and God calls that obedient act disobedience. We can say the right words coming out of our mouth and yet have a heart that's grumbling as we're saying the right words. Sure, Pastor, I'll do that. I can't believe he's saying Does he know who I am? I've been around for 20 years. How dare Pastor George tell me to do that? God says, I don't care if you did the right act. Your heart was wrong, so I call that disobedience. You say, oh, you say, it's not the scripture. I'm glad you asked. Matthew 15, look it up there. Look what Jesus said. I actually, I actually skipped the hard part because I didn't want to p- put too much hardness on you this morning. Because the verse before, he says, he calls, the, in the book of Isaiah, he says, you hypocrites. So I'm, I'm not going to do that. In verse 8, he goes, these people draw to me with their mouth. In other words, they're saying the right things. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's right, Pastor. That's right. Amen. That's right. Amen. We need to ask for forgiveness. That's right. Amen. We don't need to gossip. Amen. We need to flee sexual fornication. Amen. They honor me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You could say the right things. You could do an obedient act. You could be on stage doing the right things, but the whole time you're doing that, if your heart is grumbling and complaining and unfruitful and, and, and bitter and angry, while you do an obedient act, God calls that act spiritually disobedience. He said, do it all over again, because I'm more interested in your heart getting right than you just doing a bunch of words and a bunch of actions to appear that you're holy. Come on. Matthew 24. Here's the answer to the test. Remember I gave you the answer to the test a couple weeks ago? Here's another answer to the test. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? In other words, there's an invitation. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Uh, uh, Psalm 24. And, and, and who shall watch stand in his holy place? Here's the answer. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol and has or has sworn deceitfully. Guys, here's what I'm gonna ask you. It's time for a spiritual re-changing re- of your spiritual appetite this morning. How many want a changing of your spiritual appetite? Come on. How many want a change in your spiritual appetite? I'm gonna give you one last revelation, then we're gonna pray. When you're pure in heart, you not only see God. Are you ready for this? 
when you've purified your heart and you allowed righteousness to do its perfect work in you, other people see God in you. So watch. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Those who are practicing aligning themselves with the Word of God and are aligning themselves to emptying themselves out from these things that are blocking the love of God and are pursuing and hungering for righteousness, they shall see God. But you know what happens? Here's a little bonus. When you are walking in purity and you're walking in holiness, not that we don't make mistakes, no, just repent over it and then go forward. But don't keep, don't keep justifying it by having Christian activities. When you say, you know what? I recognize this. I'm going to turn and I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to change this part of me. Guess what happens? When people start talking to you, they see God more clearly. There's something about purity that is so spiritually attractive. There's something about integrity and holiness that people see Jesus in you. Has anybody ever said this to you after you got mad? When you say, God, I can't believe this is happening. Shut up, fool. I can't understand you. Have you ever said, heard someone say, man, I just see Jesus in you? I don't want to talk to you. Forget it. Or a prideful spirit like I know more than you. No one ever sees Jesus in that type. But you see Jesus out of the emptying out. Tonight, sorry, this morning, I want to call for a spiritual appetite change at RCC. I want to call forth a spiritual appetite change in our hearts that we are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Why? Because hungering and thirsting will dictate our actions. Can I hear an amen? Lift up your hands right now. Stand up before the Lord. I want you to lift up your hands right at all those places before we dismiss you. Come on. Are you guys awake this morning? I feel I have to press in. I feel there's a wall right now. I need you guys. Come on, lift up your hands right now and ask right now for the, for the Lord to change your appetite. Remember what the Bible says in Amos. The Bible says in Amos, he doesn't just want good uh, membership. He doesn't want just good uh, attendance to, to Christian activities. Praise God for that. He wants a river of righteous living. Come on, if you're in this house, the Lord is challenging you. The Lord is challenging me as your pastor to dive deeper, to crave for righteousness. Come on, to, to hunger and thirst for holiness. Because my friends, when you do, I guarantee you, the things that you're dabbling with, it won't even be a competition anymore. It will be so, you will be so satisfied. You will be so, so filled. You will be so content because holiness is filling you up. Righteousness is filling you up. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.